Uncharted Podcast, Episode 4, Avalanche Awareness. Hello, welcome back to the Uncharted Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Burkhead, coming to you from beautiful Colorado at the foot of the mountains out here for one last time recording from Colorado, then it's back home to Michigan. Today we're talking with Cody Hughes of Utah Avalanche Center. Happy to have him on the show. And we're going to go over some safety topics for keeping you safe as you explore the Uncharted in the steep slopes of the Rocky Mountains, Canada, wherever you happen to be, wherever your adventures take you. That's the Uncharted Podcast today. So without further ado, I want to introduce our guest, Cody. Are you there? Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. So, Cody, I just thought we were talking before the show started about what the Uncharted Podcast is all about. Uh, here with this podcast, we are trying to help all of you out there listening break down some of the barriers that will keep you or prevent you from going out and exploring the Uncharted, going out and making those discoveries and going on your journeys wherever you happen to be. So last winter, uh, I was thinking about what could be a good thing to talk about next. And, we're, you know, we're always kind of tossing around these topics. And with it being the middle of the winter, the whole avalanche issue um, was really pressing on my mind. It's something that I'm not uh, totally familiar with and would like to have some more knowledge of. Um, and, and I'm sure many of you out there listening are in the same boat. So we decided to see if there's somebody we could talk to that, would be able to help, you know, people like me and people like you out there listening that might be in the same boat, uh, know where to go for information about avalanches, at least know where to go to get started. And that's where we came across the Utah Avalanche Center, which was recommended to us highly, um, by one of our friends. Uh, we looked at their website and just really super impressed with everything that is going on with the Utah Avalanche Center. Um, so, with that, we came across Cody, and really happy to have you on the show, Cody. This is something that I think our audience is going to be excited about, uh, and it's it's certainly something that can save lives and help us be safe out there as we're exploring our world around us, um, whatever our activities happen to be. And, you know, one of the things that you might not have thought of as you're listening you know, we kind of tend to think about avalanches as something that's a hazard for, you know, the the extreme sports guys out there, you know, cutting edges on slopes, you know, making the movies and you know, the Warren Miller and all that. But it really can be a hazard to any of us who do some of the more uh, benign types of activities that are out there in the winter as well. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about that a little bit, but so I think this is a great topic, and, and Cody, thank you so much for being on the show. And why don't you just uh, take a few moments and introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here, and I believe that um, the message of the No Before You Go program and the Utah Lunch Center um, aligns perfectly with your podcast, so I'm really psyched that you re reached out. Um, so, yeah, my name is Cody Hughes. Um, I've been working for the Utah Avalanche Center for seven years. Uh, this will be my seventh season. And I started out as an intern um, through the University of Utah. And um, I just really began uh, teaching the Know Before You Go program. Well, I started shadowing and started teaching that. And then um, that sort of led into working with our nonprofit organization, doing odds and ends during the fall, getting prepped for winter. 
And that's continued um, with the Utah Avalanche Center. I continue to teach Avalanche classes to do outreach and education awareness. Um, I also combine my time by uh, guiding backcountry skiing and snowboarding here in the central Wasatch, um, just outside of Salt Lake City, and teaching Avalanche classes for a company called Utah Mountain Adventures. And this season, I'll be taking on a gig um, helping out at Park City Power Cats, which is a private cat skiing operation on the western U.S. doing some snow safety work. Um, under a great mentor of mine, uh, Dave Kicker. So I'm really excited to uh, to start that gig as well. That is so awesome. Can I have your job <laughs> or your jobs? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically just a ski bomb that's extremely fascinated with snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's I get that's that's the secret, right? Is finding something you love and and uh, making making a living off of it. So my hat's off to you there. That's awesome. That sounds like such such cool stuff you're involved in and. Those of you out there listening, you cannot get enough of uh, of this guy. He, I've been looking through his videos and some of the things he's been doing. It's it's just amazing, Cody, how much you've been doing. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited about this. So I I wanted to, just to get started, uh, just kind of introduce the Know Before You Go program that is going on with Avalanche Awareness that you're involved in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. The Know Before You Go program um, started by the Utah Avalanche Center roughly 18, 19 seasons ago. Um, and basically what happened is down in the southern Wasatch, there is a big avalanche that was triggered by um, a few folks, um, kids actually. And what had happened is school had let out early for the day and there's a big snowstorm. And um, well, I, I can't remember if maybe it let out earlier or school was just canceled for the day. So Folks are skiing around Sundance Resort um, down in the southern Wasatch on the backside of uh, a mountain range we call the Mount Tipanogos. And the resort, the lift had closed down because they were having electrical issues with their lifts. Well, it was about midday, and people were just not over the amazing snow that they were that they were skiing. So there's a, a few kids that drove a little further up the road to where the road ends, and they started, they parked in this parking lot at the Aspen Grove parking lot, and they started just walking up a steep slope. And there were some snowboarders and some skiers and a lot of people kind of around, and they were scooting up. And, you know, of course, the higher you get, well, the more turns you get to go on the way down. What that also means, you know, a big snowstorm, avalanche danger was on the rise, and they didn't have avalanche rescue gear. And um, ultimately what happened is this tragic accident. And um, there was, you know, three, I believe three people buried, and, yeah, I mean, it was it was awful. I mean, one kid was found that day. They didn't have avalanche beacons on, right? So being able to find them in time to save their life, like, wasn't even an option. And one kid, I think, was found maybe a couple weeks later. And then one kid was under, like, 18 feet of snow, you know, of wow. so much snow. And he wasn't found until the snow melted in the spring. And so this was such a tragic accident. And we had um, a group of forecasters, one primarily named Craig Gordon, who who um, had an idea of this of this program, um, this Know Before You Go program, that basically said, you know, anyone that lives in and around the mountains needs to learn something about avalanches because it's relevant to all of us. You never know when you might find yourself, you know, wanting to just go out for a walk, a snowshoe, go through snowballs with your friends. And um, just like folks that grow up next to the oceans, you know, they learn about riptides and shore breaks from a young age. Right. And so the idea of the Know Before You Go program is to bring awareness to we are surrounded by avalanche terrain in 360 degrees. 
and it is really easy for us to get into avalanche terrain without even recognizing it. So we got a ton of funding through our nonprofit and through various organizations to uh, put a video together um, and a PowerPoint presentation that we now that we teach um, sixth grade through twelfth grade. So I'll go to this program. It's an hour program, and it's a free awareness program funded by through our nonprofit, um, the Utah Avalanche Center. And I basically just don't get into any science, anything too like difficult to comprehend. I just want to give kids the basic understanding of how to recognize avalanche terrain, where what is considered the backcountry, right? And where do avalanches happen, right, on, on slopes between 30 and 45 degrees? Mm-hmm. And if they're going into the backcountry or into the side country, what kind of gear do they need to carry and where can they go to get information, right? Because what we're ultimately trying to do is, of course, bring awareness to people that want to go ski in the backcountry, but really to just save innocent lives, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we see a trend where, People who are just going snowshoeing for a day with their friends, well, the problem is when it snows a bunch, it's beautiful, and people want to go to the mountains. You yeah. see the yeah. the numbers of people flooding and just running into the mountains after a snowstorm. Oh, yeah. It just dramatically increases yeah. because it's pretty people. Oh, hey, yeah. it snowed a bunch. <laughs> right. Well, the issue is that when it snows a bunch, especially here in Utah, I mean, in, gen- in general, most places, that is accompanied with a lot of wind and a lot of snow, mm-hmm. and that in- rapidly increases the avalanche danger. So even these slopes in the lower elevation, if they've had snow on them and we've gone through periods of high pressure, well, in a matter of 24 hours, it went from like no avalanche danger, you could just kind of walk wherever you wanted in those low elevations, uh-huh. to just high or extreme avalanche danger, meaning just little bitty paths that people are um, walking and snowshoeing. They're not even getting up into the alpine, are getting caught and getting killed in avalanches, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's not a big avalanche that kills people. Oftentimes, it's a very small avalanche, but unfortunately, it's in like a gully or a creek or what we call a terrain trap yeah. where all the snow goes to one location, piles up deep. And of course, instead of just going for a walk, they don't have rescue. Sure. Well, when their buddy is buried and they're underneath the snow, without an avalanche transceiver, it becomes very, very difficult to find somebody within the 15 minutes that you have to find them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so this program, you go ahead. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that that was one thing you know, going through some of your information that just that really struck me is you could be. Following a trail you've typically, you know, always followed in the summer, you know, just going down, like you say, that terrain trap or that gully or whatnot. And, you know, it's just the same trail you've gone down a million times, but there's that one day where the conditions are just right and you're not even thinking about it because you're just doing the same thing you've done every other time. And just being aware mm-hmm. of that when the condition, like that, that is such a, that just really jumped out to me as something that, wow, I should be paying more attention to that stuff for just, just simple thing of going through, going on a simple hike, you know, up, up the mountain canyon or something. So it's, you know, that was fascinating. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, it's just basic stuff. And that's kind of what the No Before You Go program's about, right? It's like the weather changed, the wind increased, it snowed a bunch, like all of a sudden in our heads, we just need to go, oh, wait, you know, maybe the avalanche danger is rising, you know, and it's so sad 
when you go look at an avalanche accident, right, you know, 20 hours before somebody just died here, and you realize that these people are, weren't doing anything wrong. It's one thing when an extreme skier is out there making, you know, made a couple bad decisions and they're in complicated terrain and they're out, you know, kind of pushing it. That's kind of one thing. You can look at it and not necessarily say they asked for it, but they kind of put themselves in that danger. But when, like, you know, on purpose, right, and they're going out the steep avalanche terrain. But when you see, like, an innocent kid or, you know, like, five- and eight-year-old kid that falls off a cornice, you know, and passes away or some lady just going snowshoeing, maybe to clear her head in between classes, it's like we have got to bring the community together and find a way to prevent these accidents from happening, you know. And with the Know Before You Go program, um, I feel like we have reached a lot of people that aren't necessarily backcountry skiers. They just realize, hey, I'm a snowshoer. Maybe I need to learn a little bit about avalanches as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is such an important, you know, issue to, to, to raise awareness about and, and, uh, to get our audience familiar with and anybody we can. Uh, so I hope a lot of people listen to, to what you're saying on this show and, and sign up for what you're doing out there in Utah and, and elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, this is, I think this know before you go program, they, you're basically watering down the principles of avalanche awareness to like five, five main uh, topics, right? Um, can you kind of walk mm-hmm. us through what those are? Um, just however much time you want to take with it. And I know that there's yeah. certainly you can go into the weeds and a lot of it, but whatever, you, whatever you want to, you know, address with those. I think I, th- I really liked how you you guys organize it in such a concise way that I think it makes sense to me. Like I can wrap my head around it, but I think our audience would would definitely benefit from that. Yeah, yeah. So for the first 15 years, I recommended 15, 16 years of the No Before You Go program. We didn't have those five steps, you know. I mean, we did have sort of a semi-systematic approach that you can go through to avoid getting caught in avalanches. I mean, we talked about the five red flags, which I'll go into, and we sort of covered in a general basis, but we didn't have a systematic step-by-step process that people could say just, hey, write down and follow these steps, you know, when you wake up in the morning. Um, you know, or, or, or when you're beginning your avalanche education. And so uh, maybe three years ago now, three or four years ago, we got some funding and we put together a new video. Um, folks in the community got together to come up with this five-step process to help people avoid getting caught in avalanches. And the first is getting the rescue gear, right? Like that is where it starts. And that is an avalanche beacon um, or avalanche transceiver, a probe, and a shovel. And so, and then knowing how to use those and really emphasizing like, hey, we're professionals, but we're out here practicing with our rescue gear all the time. You can never be too good with it, right? And then the next step is getting getting the training. And so that means, you know, now the American Avalanche Association, the AAA, has adopted the Know Before You Go program is the baseline education. It's where you're going to start for your avalanche education. Because the issue in the past is that we didn't have the know before you go. And it was, I mean, we had it, but it wasn't really pushed nationwide. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't really offer a lot of avalanche skills courses or basic like backcountry 101 courses where you get a field day and you get a classroom session. It was more like if you want avalanche education, you go take a level one avalanche course. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, I guess um, I was fortunate enough, or maybe not so fortunate enough, that when I started my avalanche education eight years ago, that's what I had to do. You know, I went straight into a level one course. And the issue is that, with, uh, with that is that it's very overwhelming. You know, you go into this, to this class, this three to five day class or whatever it was, and it's like eight hours in the classroom for three days and these, mat, you know, these big filled days. And it's so much information at once that you come out of the class feeling overwhelmed uh-huh. and, um, you know, either you're scared to go into backcountry. Uh, because, you know, you, you, you just couldn't comprehend it all, take it all in and, and remember everything. Or at that point, then you know everything because you took a level one class. And the statistics showed that people getting your, your, your chances of getting caught in an avalanche after taking a level one course dramatically increased. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And snow is a very complex medium, you know, and, it takes a lot of time and a lot of experience and um, to really understand, you know, to, 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 to even try to grasp snow. And the cool thing about the snow thing is that the more you learn about it, the more you realize you kind of don't know. So it's a very humbling, you know, job mm-hmm. that removes all ego, which is great. And so when we say get the training, we say, okay, you take a no-before-you-go class and you follow this process. Then you take a Backcountry 101. And then you take a level one, right? So we're giving you okay. more steps, um, and it's a, it's just a better process to go through so that when you come out mm-hmm. of your level one course and you take it, you're not overwhelmed. Yeah, it's kind of like a crawl, crawl walk, is, run type of approach. Exactly, right? Instead yeah. of just throwing people, you know, you know, right into it. Sure. Um, and then so the next step, so we, we, so we say we get the gear, we get the training, and then we get the forecast. And that means in, in pretty much every single uh, region of the United States that you're going to be in, there's an avalanche forecast. And so you can go to avalanche.org in the United States, or you can go to avalanche.ca in Canada. There's an interactive map there. Find your region, click on that region, and it's going to pull up an avalanche forecast for you. So learning how to, and in your training, we teach you how to dissect that forecast you know, and how to read through that forecast. And I think one of the amazing things about the Utah Avalanche Center, because, again, it's so just like any other science. You know, you can get big words, and you start using these words that people have to pull out a dictionary. And, yeah. you know, you're just like, you know, you read a couple sentences, and you're just like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, I see the forecast. It says yellow. Okay, I'm out the door. I think the beautiful thing about the Utah Avalanche Center is that we can take this complex science and we can break it down and put it into layman terms for folks to understand. We can, yeah, we're not using awesome. big, complicated, scientific, you know, snow science words. Um, we're, we're breaking it down and saying, you know, giving people an option of where to go, where places you do not want to avoid, um, and what to be looking for for that day. And when we say get the forecast and, um, you really want to dissect that forecast and read through every day you go into the mountains. Right, because you know the cool thing about snow is that it's always metamorphosing; it's always changing into something different. You know, from the moment it falls out of the sky in the very beginning of the season, and you build up your snowpack, it is always changing into something until it melts and runs into our rivers. Hmm. And so, the the next part of that would be to get the picture, and this is also commonly known as the five red flags. And when I first started in the backcountry, 
what I did is I would write these down. Because, you know, you're at home, you get the forecast, you walk out the door, and you're like, okay, I got this. And then you get to the mountains, and you're looking around, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, aspect, elevation, wind, like, what's going on? So I would, like, write down the danger of the avalanche forecast, and then I would write down these five red flags. And the it's really just basic steps. The first is, like, your five um, red flags of avalanches, right? Or increase in avalanche danger. And the first is very simple, actually. It's like, has there been recent avalanches? Because if there's people out there triggering avalanches and you're seeing it on the website, you know, we put that into our forecast, then I know as a skier, like, well, I can go out and trigger avalanches if other people are triggering avalanches. Or if I'm traveling around to the mountains and I see avalanches, then I'm like, okay, well, if I'm seeing avalanches, then I know that I can trigger them, right? So it's just a very obvious sign to instability within the snowpack. And then the second is cracking and collapsing within the snowpack. And so what that means is that when we have a strong piece of snow, say, you know, really, really hard uh, piece of snow and what we call a slab sitting on top of a weak layer of snow, and uh, a weak layer forms under long periods of high pressure and cold temperatures. And so we have a weak layer, we have a slab on top, and you can just be walking in a meadow and all of a sudden, you hear this big whomping yeah, noise in the snowpack. Yeah. yeah, and the weak layer of snow, basically what happens, it has, the weak layer is it's not dense. You know, it's not compact. So it's got a lot of air within the crystals. So what happens is as you're walking on top of the slab, it collapses that weak layer, and all the air escapes out of the snowpack. And as mm-hmm. that air escapes, it, it, it creates this big whomping noise. Well, I know if I'm walking around in the snow and I, and it, it'll oftentimes create this shooting crap going out from your skis. And it's like, whoa, if I was on a steeper slope, I would totally have triggered an avalanche right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Cause I'm collapsing the weak layer and there's a slab on top. And if I'm hearing or if I'm uh, collapsing within the snowpack and feeling that and seeing shooting cracks, well, that's my second red flag, right? That mm-hmm. I need to avoid all slopes steeper than 30 degrees that tr- that day, and any steep slopes that I'm connected to, you know, above me or adjacent to me. Hmm. So basically, the way I look at it is that the mountains will talk to you if you're just willing to listen. You know, if you just go out with an open mind, low expectations, don't have your, your mind so fixated on one big peak that you want to ski or I have to do this. You just go into the mountains with an open mind just to sort of see what they're telling you, you know? Yeah. And then the other three red flags are really just rapid changes in weather. And so that is rapid loading from the wind, right? Mm -hmm. Wind can transport snow up to 10 times faster um, than it can snow from the sky, Mm -hmm. right? And so all it takes is a little bit of spike in wind, and all of a sudden your avalanche danger could go, you know, from from moderate, say, on a leeward side of the slope where the wind is depositing the snow, all of a sudden to considerable or high. You know, depending on how much snow has fallen from the sky and how much is available for transport, right? So really just paying attention to the wind, you know, and that's a part of the process in the morning as an avalanche forecaster is just really try to pay attention to the wind, always. Hmm. And then the second is uh, change in weather is rapid snowfall. Right. So, I mean, you got to think like 
how much has it snowed overnight or how much has it snowed in the past couple of days, 90% of avalanche accidents happen 24 to 48 hours after the storm. And what that means is all the powder is getting tracked up inside the ski area, you know, so once it's tracked up and everybody wakes up the next day or the day after, they head to the backcountry. Well, they've been skiing steep slopes and bounds, so what do they do in the backcountry? They go hop right on steep slopes. Mm. And what we have to remember, and it's a really good analogy that Bruce Tremper, um, he was the director of the Forest Service Utah Avalanche Center for roughly 40 years here in Utah, and uh, a, a really good mentor of mine. And he said one day in an avalanche class that I was shadowing for him that the snowpack is a lot like people, that it does not like rapid change. Right, and that just really resonated with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like that's so it's true. The truth to that. And everybody always chuckles when they hear it because they're just like, "Oh my gosh, that is such a great analogy." But it's like you know, if we put six inches of snow on the ground, well, that's a lot different than putting eighteen inches or twenty inches or twenty-four inches. You know? Yeah. And when we dig a little bit more into that, and when I teach people, I say, "Okay, you know, we as avalanche forecasters, we think of snow." in inches of water, not so much inches of snow, because the weight and the stress on the snowpack comes from the water content of the snow, not so much how much snow is piling up, you know, like, you know, inches of snow, right? So we say, okay, how much weight, how much stress is being added to the snowpack? And then you add a little wind to that, and all bets are off, right? Yeah. So in in the fifth red flag, it's rapid warming. And so when the sun comes out and as, you know, as, 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 you know, this is kind of just a fact, you know, I mean, it gets, it's getting warmer and it's getting warmer earlier in the year. You know, this is something in the past, you know, that they didn't have to deal with as much, but now, I mean, it's January, February, it can get really warm out. And when the sun comes out and starts to heat up the snowpack, well, that's a rapid change. And we can see that with the rollerballs and the mushy snow. And so we have to avoid traveling on those solar aspects, you know, when they're being heated up really fast. So oftentimes that's like, you know, in the afternoon when we're making it back to our car, you know, we're like, okay, what's our exit plan back to the car? The sun's been out all day. It's really hot. This is a solar aspect. We either need to really manage our terrain correctly going down this or we need to find another way home. Right. And I mean, I think at first, you know, you know, even explaining and it, it's five red flags. And it's like, OK, what's the first one? What's the second? But it can be a bit overwhelming, you know. And, and so what I would do um, is I would write down the five red flags and I would just pull them out of my pocket as I was traveling in the mountains. And I would say, OK, what's the wind doing? Is it snowing right now or has it snowed in the last 24 to 48 hours? And how much? And then what's the sun going to do today? Is it getting warm? What aspect relative to the sun do I plan to ski? Right. And really just talking through that and not being afraid to communicate with my partners so that we don't make the big mistakes out there. And over time, the more you do that, the more it just becomes your innate behavior. You know, you're just constantly monitoring the wind. You're constantly monitoring the um, the snowfall out of the sky and you're watching the sun. Yeah, it's one of you those know, things really where once you've on. seen it, once you've experienced it, you remember that and it just becomes like what you do. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, you know, there's, yes, you know, snow science, it's, it's a beautiful thing because it, it is an art and it's a science. <laughs> yeah. And it's just much, it is just as much of an art and some would argue more 
than it is a science. Oh yeah, but I, no I totally, I totally get that as a pilot because I'm always reading the clouds. What are the clouds doing? How are they going to kill me? How can I get around it? I get around the bad weather and that. So yeah, it's it's music to my mm-hmm. ears. What you're saying there, <laughs> right? It's a cool thing, and it's uh, yeah, and 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 the best thing is like the way to learn is to just be out there. Oh yeah, day in and day out, or as much as you can. If you can only be you know get out on the weekends, that's okay. But the more time you spend in the mountains, the more experience you get. And, um, you know, really just recognizing that um, the more you learn about snow, snow the more you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that it really brings you back, you know, to removing ego, yeah. being humble, humble when you go into yeah. the mountains. Yeah, just stay humble uh, because, I mean, it's really, you know, when you realize that avalanche forecasters, some of the best in the world that have been doing this for 20 to 30 to maybe even 40 years, die in avalanches, mm-hmm. you come to realize, like, man, I thought that guy was so dialed. But, you know, just like anything else, the more time out there, you get a little bit more comfortable, and we're humans, you know, we make mistakes. Oh, yeah. So you really can never let your guard out there, guard down, because, you know, all it takes is one bad call, and mm-hmm. that's one too many. Yeah, and, you know, there's, it, it's it's like uh one of your videos was talking about how you know all these all these you know Warren Miller and all that they're showing these amazing things these skiers doing these amazing things but you're not seeing all this work that went into getting the picture right getting the forecast getting the picture like in all the all the days that they decided not to go because the danger was too much and you know you don't see any of that <laughs> you all you see is when it was the conditions were perfect but it right. took all that work to right. get to and that point yeah oh yeah right right i mean waiting for snow to settle and you know um yeah absolutely you know and really um you know, gear, like, you know, backcountry skiing is like one of the fastest growing recreational sports in the winter. And the thing is, is that gear is becoming lighter. It's becoming cheaper. We have tons of avalanche education. And so people can buy the gear, man, and they can get out there in the big terrain like day one. Hmm. But just like you said earlier with crawl, walk, run, that's how you have got to approach the mountains when you start your avalanche education. Yes, you can go ski steep slopes and downs, and that's great. And I'm sure you can ski them in the backcountry, but take your time. You know, mm-hmm. go, like, enjoy the process of learning as opposed to just being like, well, I can ski that. I'm just going to go over there and ski it, right? And, and really understanding why you're skiing that slope, having the education, the knowledge, the experience that goes into that before just saying, well, other people are doing it. I'm going to go do it. Right. It really is a, uh, a slow progression. Um, and I think, I think it's really important that, that, that we accept it that way and then we take it that way as opposed to just buying the gear and going out and, you know, going after the biggest line in a mountain right away. Sure. Having, having enough respect for the mountains, um, um, to not do that, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing that, you know, it's, it's a big scary place out there and it's, it's, it's pretty easy. To be to find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's so many variables, and the only way to understand all those variables and to really wrap your brain around it is just a lot of time and a lot of experience out there and education. Yeah, proficiency, like yeah. I said too. Yeah. Um. So, so that's getting the picture, and then the last one was about uh, getting out of the way, right? Something, something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, getting out of harm's way. Uh, yeah, harm's totally. way. That's I think when yeah. you look at that, sometimes. Yeah, when you look at it, it's like, get out of harm's way. Okay, when you ski the slope, move out of the way at the bottom. But, 
the way I like to teach get out of harm's way is by crossing slopes one at a time, uh, crossing, you know, slopes deeper than 30 degrees one at a time. So practicing safe travel protocols on the uphill, you know, crossing slopes one at a time, and on the downhill, only skiing slopes one at a time, and also breaking up the slope. Right, because say you're two, it's a two thousand foot line or fifteen hundred foot line, whatever, and you ski top to bottom, and you get down to the bottom, and you're cheering your buddy on, and he comes down, and he triggers an avalanche, and he's caught, carried, and buried, but dude, he's five hundred feet above you. Well, you only have fifteen minutes to find your friend underneath the snow. The amount of time that it's going to take you to put your skins back on, walk uphill, turn your beacon on, that takes a lot of time. So learning how to travel safely downhill, where's a safe zone, right, and breaking up slopes one by one and not skiing um, not skiing at the same time in avalanche terrain. And also, uh, there's an avalanche forecaster at the Utah Avalanche Center that, that I've heard say this a bunch. She says, you know, it takes many, many lifetimes to understand terrain. We will never fully grasp terrain in one lifetime. And I think that's so true. And the Huh. The way I take that is that you can never, you can never stop practicing making an uphill skin track. You know, you can always do it maybe a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you're traveling uphill, really trying to pick the safest route possible, as opposed to, especially here in the Wasatch, because it's such so a busy steep. range. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the Wasatch is that, you know, I can drive 15 minutes from my house, (laughs) I can drive up three or 4,000 feet and get out and go straight up. I don't have to go on these long approaches. But you look Unlike at here, where we have to go a little ways, quite a ways, but... uh, Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, it's like, you know, we just have a high population city here, too, but you can see 10 different skin tracks going up to the top. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, which one do I follow, Mm -hmm. Right. And so really trying to choose the best skin track or putting in your own skin track if it's not there. And always, and no matter how long you ski in the backcountry, you are always going to mess up a little bit, you know? Like, you can never stop practicing making better uphill tracks, you know? So practicing safe travel protocol and trying to always be better at that on the uphill and especially on the downhill. And then, of course, once you ski the avalanche path, moving out of the way at the bottom. You know, it's a big thing for snowmobilers because they will all park right at the bottom of the slope, and as each one just goes up at high marks, well, then somebody triggers an avalanche, and they got to start their sleds and, you know, and hightail it out of there to get out of the way at this slide. Yeah. Right? So really just keeping yourself, minimizing your exposure time in the mountains. I think mm-hmm. that's really important. So, you know, using solar aspects. Um, you know, that are like frozen in the morning to get up as opposed to the north faces and using ridges and little ribs and high points in the mountains so that any time, you know, you can minimize your exposure time. You know, never put yourself in harm's way and at danger if um, if it's not necessary, you know, if there's a safer way to go. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up one thing uh, before just briefly, uh, but, you you know, those suspect uh the, those those other trails that are you know look somebody's gone this way so it's got to be safe right <laughs> and, totally, and that can really right? suck you in because you think well you know there's tracks so it's I'm I'm good to go right and that's not necessarily the case either it it's so true right tracks on slope so it's like you know we as humans when we see other people doing things it's just naturally we assume that it's safe 
mm-hmm. you know. And in the mountains, we really have to reel it in and take a step back and say, okay, why are we on the skin track or why are we skiing the slope? Let's go through our red flag. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go through our avalanche danger this morning. And let's talk about this as a group um, before we drop into the slope. You know, let's talk about our knowledge, our education, our experience, and the things that we've learned as opposed to just like, dude, there's this guy just dropped in. I, it's got to be good to go. You know, so really, really reeling it in and making your own decisions out there and not letting other folks make decisions for you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So basically a recap. So you got these five things, right? You got get the gear um, and you mentioned the the transmitter beacon, the shovel, the probe, um, get the training. And the training starts with this KBYG effort, um, the the no before you. Right, right. And that that's really the best place to start, it sounds like. And, and, you know, so, you know, you're not going right into a level one and getting overwhelmed, but you're going to start, you're going to do that crawl, walk and run. And then you get the forecasts yeah. from those websites and I'll post those uh, websites to our show notes on the, on the uncharted.net, um, <clears throat> website under the podcast area. So, um, we'll have those links up and you said, uh, get the pic, get the picture, uh, and then mm-hmm. get out of harm's way. Oh, get, get no. So exactly. Those exactly. are the, those are the five exactly. steps. You know, and I feel like, you know, if you take an analyst class, you know, and I, and I seriously do, I really believe that if you follow those five simple steps, like you could stay alive out there, you know, and you can go out, recreate with your friends, make educated decisions and come home safely. Yeah. You know, just by following those five, five, five basic steps, yeah, you know, that, obviously getting a little bit more training, but you know, sure. and taking your avalanche course. And I think the biggest, so I, I, I teach level one avalanche classes and the biggest concept for me, this is just for me, and some other instructors may not agree, but for me, the most important thing that I want my students to understand and to walk out of the classroom with is understanding what type of avalanche they are dealing with. In the United States, we classify nine different types of avalanches, okay? And some, we say, some are manageable, meaning we can manage them with ski cuts, Right? That's what ski patrols out there doing. Mm-hmm. We can drop cornices. You know, it's like cornices as long as there's nobody around. Right? Um, explosive work helps, you know, inside the ski area. And they give us a really good idea of what, how the snow is reacting. Right? There's, there's, there's certain types of avalanches. Now, there's, there's two types of avalanches that, and, and, and some would argue, uh, one more, but, but there's two types of avalanches that we, just cannot mess with, right? And, and those are persistent slab avalanches and deep slab avalanches and wind slabs. And, and don't get me wrong, in, in complicated terrain, all the avalanches are extremely dangerous, right? Yeah. But persistent slab avalanches and deep slab avalanches are two types of avalanches that tracks on a slope does not mean that it's safe. Explosive work doesn't mean that it's uh, safe. You cannot ski cut. Um, you can't drop a cornice. They're extremely mm-hmm. unpredictable. So the issue is that when we put out an avalanche advisory, we have a bottom line. So you look at our forecast, and it shows you a danger rose, which gives you elevation and a danger rating for the day, right? So and you say, you know, we have green, which is low. We have yellow, moderate. Orange is considerable. We have red, which is high, and we have black, which is extreme. 
And so you look at the outline forecast and you say, oh, well, it's yellow. Um, I don't even need to read anymore. I'm going to go. What you must do is scroll down and dissect the forecast and say, okay, it's yellow and it's moderate avalanche danger, but what is the type of avalanche that makes that, that it's moderate avalanche danger for, right? And so we, as backcountry ski, as, as avalanche, uh, forecasters, we, we, what I try to tell people is that I never want to ski a slope that even has low or moderate danger for a persistent slab or deep slab avalanche, right? And so those two types of avalanches, the, the issue with them is that they lure you out on the slope. They're five, six, seven turns into the slope. It breaks above you. It shatters like a pane of glass. It's like somebody pulling a rug out from underneath your feet. And oftentimes, they are unsurvivable avalanches because they are big. They carry you into trees, into rocks, over cliffs. The biggest thing that I want to get over to my students, right, is like just being like, hey, man, like when you see this in the forecast, and this is oftentimes early season. So here's the issue is that, dude, the seasons change. People get stoked to get out into the backcountry. And, you know, they get their new gear, and it's December, January, and February, and that, that is when our snowpack is most vulnerable, meaning that's when it's most shallow and that's when it's most dangerous. Well, everybody's stoked, and they just want to go, like, you know, shred the gnaw in the back. What they don't realize is that that's when it's most dangerous out there, right? And so what we have to do is reel it in and recognize that we don't really step into really steep avalanche terrain, especially terrain facing the north half of the compass, right? Because that's where we deal with our problematic weak layers, our persistent slabs, and our big dangerous slab avalanches. We don't step into that type of terrain until the springtime. Huh. You know, once we have developed a very deep, more homogenous snowpack, but we're not dealing with those big slab avalanches. Yeah. And what's kind of funny around here, and oftentimes I'll see it, is that come March, well, everybody's ready to mountain bike. Oh, dude, that's when the skiing just gets good, you know? And so everybody yeah. just everybody just gets really excited really early and, um, <laughs> you know, and, and starts stepping in. And, hey, it's natural, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I am so guilty of making that mistake in the past. <laughs> but what we do is in December, January, and February, we dust off our avalanche skills, man. We get our beacon probe and shovel out our rescue skills. We get those dialed. We we get together with our partners. We go ski mellow terrain. We get our fitness up. So come springtime, when it's time to maybe step into the more steeper terrain, like we ski at the ski area, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's safer, you know. And and we're not dealing with those big slab avalanches. We're dealing with the types of avalanches that are predictable and more manageable. Right. With, so, so really just reeling it in, you know, and just, and just bringing it back and just recognizing, Hey, the time to get after the big terrain is later in the year. Right now we just need to get dialed with our rescue gear and, and get our fitness level up. Interesting. Yeah. So, and obviously there's, there's so much we can cover here. It's, it's, um, and, and we're not going to be able to get everything that you're going to get in one of these no before you go sessions or, um, and obviously not the level one and so on and so forth. But, uh, and mm-hmm. part, part of what we can't do with the podcast is show you some of these things that you've been talking, like the forecasts and, uh, you know, some of these products, but I would recommend any of you out there listening, uh, go to their website. It's uh, kbyg.org, right? That, that's the right one, right? Cody. 
Yes, that's, yeah. that's the right one, yeah. Yeah, so go to their website, and this is this is just an awesome, awesome website that has so much um, great information, but it's not it's not overwhelming. I mean, if you went to their website, like I'm just looking at it right now, even if you weren't interested in avalanches before you came to the website, after you go to the website, you will probably be hooked because it is just such a good website. <laughs> it is just so awesome. Um, they, they just make it so concise and give you the information you really need to get right at the get-go and getting started and understanding all of this and uh, finding activities. Uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, how they have organized, uh, you know, you go to the, you go to that website and you go to find an avalanche center, right? And they've got this list both in the U.S. and Canada of all these avalanche centers. I'm seeing Crested Butte. I'm seeing Bridger Teton, uh, Cordova, Juneau, uh, Sierra of California, Idaho Panhandle. So all over both the U.S. and Canada, there's these centers that have the websites and they have these know before you go sessions that you can attend and sign up for. Um, and of course you, you can go to Utah Avalanche Center if you happen to be there, but there's all these other ones. It is awesome that you can go to this and I would highly recommend anyone listening to, to go to that site and check it out in whatever part of the world you're in, um, the United States or Canada there. You'll probably, if you're anywhere near some steep slopes, you probably have a avalanche center that has some great resources and these no before you go sessions that you can attend, right, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty cool that this program, you know, being started by USC, it's now, um, yeah, it's being taught nationwide, being taught in Canada, and it's actually being taught internationally, I believe, uh, like four different languages. And so, um, cool. I mean, you know, the ultimate goal is to just, yeah, try to save lives, you know, and, um, yeah, and help folks out. Yeah, like I'm seeing utahavalanchecenter.org. That's where you're at out here mm-hmm. in Colorado. It, it's listing, where is it? I think it had something like state. Yeah, avalanche.state.co.us. But it's, it has the links directly, so you won't even have to remember the website. So, uh, and like I say, they have the event. If you if you want to find one of these events, I noticed that some of these avalanche centers will use different terms. Some of them call it education. Some of it call it training. Some of them call it events. Look for anything like that. <laughs> and even a calendar. Some of them just post a calendar and they have, you know, multiple sessions going on a month. And, and really, if you look at the, some of the costs of these, it's, you know, 50, 100 bucks, uh, depending on if it's level one or whatever. Um, I mean, just that, is that is that worth your safety in your life? I think so. I think I'm definitely going to sign up for one of these. So um, I would highly recommend anybody listening to to do that. Anything you wanted to add about that, Cody? Oh no, no, no! Just that the Know Before You Go program, and you know, it, it is a free avalanche awareness program. And that's what's so cool is that you can go to some free awareness and and uh, and, and and see like, hey, maybe it's this for me, or maybe this just isn't for me. And then yeah, from there you would um, you would take a 101 course or yeah, exactly. Okay, so so the yeah, no before you go for. courses are are free. You're saying, and then if you want to oh, continue yeah. on, that's yeah. where and you. The cool thing. That's awesome. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, here in Utah, it's like I could basically schedule as many as we can. I mean, we have the funding that you know anybody that wants this program. Not only do I teach this in schools, but you know, I teach it to many businesses and um, uh, you know. Say, um, even like fat bikes now, snowmobile group, anybody that's like, Hey man, we want to get some folks together and have a note before you go. Well, we'll sign you up. Um, and it is, I go, I go down there and it's that no call to that organization for us to come. 
Cool. All right. Yeah, and I'm sure any one of the other avalanche centers that are near you uh, out there listening, they'll probably have very similar. And just looking through it, I, I found that that was the case. So uh, now before the show, you were also talking about this e-learning um, effort that is underway that you're involved in. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think that's such, such a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, uh, uh, the past couple of years, um, our, um, our, our executive director who just stepped down and, uh, his name is Paul Deigle. He's working on, um, him and, uh, Trent Meisenheimer and Craig Gordon and a few, a lot of other folks at Digital Avalanche Center. They're putting together e-learning modules and basically the idea behind the e-learning module is that folks, after taking a note before you go, they can go online to YouTube or Vimeo and watch these videos of get the, get the, gear of the five-step process, right? So get the gear, get the training, um, get the forecast, um, get the picture, and get out of harm free. And so we're going to have five videos. And what it's going to do is going to allow folks, before they step into their Backcountry 101 or into a Level 1 class, to get some interactive um, time online um, about what they're going to be learning in their class and sort of give them an idea and a basis and it's sort of the start of the class. And we're hoping that eventually it will become mandatory, you know, to maybe go on and take um, these these classes. So this interactive e-learning module, you're, it's, it's interactive, and so you have to be watching it. You can't just play a video. You have to watch it and then answer questions um, when they ask you questions about, you know, the video that they just showed you. Uh-huh. And so it's very interactive in that way, so it's going to keep you hooked. Um, it's going to keep you paying attention. And so that when you go into your level one class, um, you have a solid base, right? When you're sitting there listening to an instructor in the classroom and out in the field, it's not so overwhelming. You're like, oh, yeah, I just learned about this, you know? I didn't only just, like, hit the space bar and press play and watch this video. I actually had to be engaged. Awesome, yeah. I, I'm definitely interested in checking that out um, as well. So Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll be looking for yeah, we that. We came out with the, uh, one of the first ones that we're going to be doing is called To Hell in a Heart. And dude, the thing got like two million views in just like a week or something. <laughs> nice. I mean, it's so good. It's a reenactment of this avalanche accident that happened here in the Wasatch years ago uh, with a group of four or five skiers. And that's going to be getting the gear, you know. And at the end, it's like, hey, you know, I'm, the guy was buried six feet deep. And he was just so, I mean, six feet, man, that's a lot of snow Jeez. to move. Yeah. And when we talk about getting the gear and the beacon and the probe and the shovel, well, the idea is that you're really good with your beacon and you're really good with your probe. I mean, that only takes like three or four minutes. And you get so fast and dialed with that gear that you save as much time for shoveling as possible. Because out of that three-step process, shoveling is what takes the longest, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So in this video, you know, you know, at the end, he's just like, you know, I, you know, my partners had the gear. They had the training. And ultimately, like, they knew how to use it, you know. And it's so easy for us sometimes to get that gear, use it one time or a couple of times. Be like, okay, I'm good with it. But really emphasizing like you cannot practice with that stuff enough oh yeah it is it is definitely a proficiency thing i mean uh anything like that any kind of high pressure where something has to get done fast you're only gonna you're only gonna rise to the level that you've trained for and uh that you're exactly that that you're proficient with right because you can get training i mean it's like me flying a plane if yeah if i hadn't flown for two years it's going to be like a whole it's going to be a whole like new experience all over again when i step into that cockpit for the first time after two years you know and and yeah you've definitely yeah I, i can totally see that um yeah, and you know, you you uh you mentioned something I think I really want to highlight, which is respect respect the mountain. 
Um, I think that's probably a good point to kind of uh, wrap up on because, um, you know, the when you're looking at these avalanches, it's easy to you you see, you see a video of it and it's, it looks like a bunch of snow, right? But <laughs> this is not snow. This is this is like. Um, as you characterize as one of your training sessions, the, the snow plow, like if a snow plow came with all that slushy, icy, you know, like heavy yeah. stuff, you know, and it suddenly like fell down on you from the sky, like a, a dump truck load of it, you know, are you really going to be able to move at all? Like, so it's, it's really not something to take lightly. This, this, and it's, what did you say? Something like, is it 60 miles an hour? These things move at, or I can't remember what the, what the oh speed yeah. Was. I mean, you know, depending, yeah, on the slope and the, you know, but yeah, I've, yeah. I mean, it, you know, um, I've, I've been pretty unfortunate to be caught in one myself. And, uh, I mean, actually we carried, I was able to get off of it, but, uh, off the splat, but, um, Wow. Man, it happens so fast. And avalanches do pick up speed, you know, 60 to 80 miles per hour, do within a matter of seconds. And yeah. it just happens so quick. And when the avalanche debris comes to a stop, it, it, it sets up like concrete, you know, and folks think, you know, maybe they can outrun it or, you know, they're going fast enough. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it just happens so quick. And when it sets up and you are buried, there is no way to get yourself out. You know, you can't move your little finger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about things like having gear or, I mean, and, and more of the preventative, even, I mean, the gear is kind of reactive, like it's already happened to you. Right. But, but, you know, even more so like being able to get the picture, being able to get, get out of harm's way, have the training, know the forecasts, right. like that's all going to keep you from having to use your gear. I mean, that gear is kind of like a last resort and, um, you know, and it will only save and about half of the people out there, you know, even if you do have it and you are proficient using it. And so, you know, this stuff is, I mean, it's heavy. It, it, it's, 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 I mean, I've never been through one like you, but I can only imagine. I mean, it, it's, and, I mean, be. and that's the beautiful thing. It's a, you know, it, it, you know, when, when you're out there powder skiing with your friends, you know, it's that thing in the world, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. just such a good time, you know, you're out, you're playing, you know. You're an adult being a kid, you know, you're yeah. out playing in the mountains, you know, powder, and there's, you know, you've got the solitude and, and there's nothing like it, but there is the reality of avalanches, you know, and, uh, yeah, you can't let your guard down out there. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, we're all going to make mistakes, but we, we, we definitely just have to reel it back and not make those big mistakes that, you know, cost us our lives for sure. Yeah. And it's such an awareness thing. And, and going back to that respecting the mountain, I think, I think if, you know, if if you love to be outdoors in the winter, which I do, I'm a winter person. I absolutely love winter's my favorite season. People think I'm crazy, but <laughs> that's that's me. I love winter, and um, there's so many things that you know. In the last, I think it was the last one of the previous episodes, we talked about uh, fat biking, you know, in winter and how how awesome that is, and you know, and I wouldn't have connected fat biking with, you know, needing to be aware of avalanches and, you know, having that respect. Kind of crazy, for, huh? Yeah. Having that respect yeah. for the types of activities I'm doing and how I or somebody else could be affected by something that I'm doing out there in the winter environment. And, uh, I, I just, you know, I, th- I think a great way to respect the mountain is to do exa- is to just sign up for one of these things that Cody's involved in and these Utah, these, these other avalanche centers are involved in with the snow before you go thing. And then if, if you're beyond that and you want to go to the next level, you know, go to the next level. But I just the little bit that I've dug into this, getting ready for talking to you, Cody, looking at all this, 
um, I just feel so much more aware just, just from simply, simply visiting the website, talking to you, um, hearing your tips. Like this is just gold. So I definitely recommend anybody to check it out and, and get involved with this. Uh, I think it's a great way to respect the mountain and, and, uh, kind of stay humble like we were talking about. And, and that will empower us to, go out and do new things. I mean, without the training and without the knowledge, we can't do anything. So the more we, you know, expand our horizons and get educated, the more we're capable of doing and doing it safely in a way that's not going to endanger us or others. So I, I think this is a great, great, uh, great thing that you're doing. So um, anything else you wanted to we're add? We're very before thankful we, for uh, you. We're very thankful for you for helping to spread the message. And I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah, this worked out. I hope everyone out there has a great safe winter and, uh, yeah, any questions um, that anyone has, my email is uh, cody at utahavalanchecenter.org. And, uh, you know, I think the most important thing out there is that, you know, we're all out there doing the same thing, right? We all just want to enjoy, you know, the mountains in the winter and ski fresh pile and have a good time with our buddies. So, you know, we've been so fortunate here in the state of Utah to have zero avalanche fatalities for the past two seasons. You know, and last year was an extremely sketchy year throughout the entire state. And for backcountry skiing to continue to grow and grow and grow and see more people out there, the trend is just, you know, going up. But to see our avalanche fatalities going down is really, really cool. And it, it, it really puts, um, you know, makes us feel like we're, you know, we're moving in the right direction for sure. Um, so I think just having a sense of community and being out there and having each other's back, you know, having, you know, that's the only way that we're going to prevent people from, you know, dying in the mountains and, and, and stopping these avalanche fatalities is just like, you know, realizing that we're all out there doing the same thing and, um, you know, um, just to help each other out, you know, to be nice out there. Absolutely. Have a, have a good community. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and thank you so much for what you're doing in, in our community. And, uh, I mean, tireless and, and I just want to reemphasize how, how appreciative we are of having you come on the show with how crazy busy I know you've been. Um, you know, you squeeze this in and I just, I think that, uh, the more people listen to what, uh, everything you just said, the, the safer our community will be and the better off we'll all be. So, uh, awesome stuff, Cody. Uh, just want to wrap up a couple last notes before we conclude. Uh, first of all, for the gear up um, section, I'm just going to put a shout out to uh, Bryce Peterson. He's been involved with this uh, Black Diamond Equipment uh, company. They have some great gear and they just opened up a new uh, section for snow safety, and they're selling the same type of gear that uh, Cody here was talking about, transmitters, shovels, probes, etc. cetera. Um, lots of places you can go, but uh, Bryce was helping us out getting Uncharted started uh, years back, and we just want to give a shout-out to Black Diamond and everything that they're doing over there. You can visit them at blackdiamondequipment.com. Uh, for our tip, our Explorer tip, uh, we've given you a lot of tips on this episode, that's for sure. So, again, I'm just going to reemphasize that website, kbyg.org, for a no before you go. And, of course, Cody's website, the uh, utahavalanchecenter.org. Go ahead and visit those guys. And wherever you're at, if you are in a, another place outside of Utah, you can go to that kbyg.org and find a place near you that has an avalanche center as well. And for next waypoints, I just recommend, again, like we talked about, going to those calendars, going to those education or event sections on those uh, 
those Avalanche Center websites, and they will point you in the right direction. So, uh, I just and just as a last note for some news items, we are. Uh, I know that there's been some questions about uh, podcasts. We've had a couple we, a couple suggestions for topics for the next time. Um, one was hiking. We we know about that request, and we're definitely going to be uh, addressing that in a future episode. And the second one is adapting to another culture. We talked about learning a new language. Now we're going to move on to adapting to a new culture. And we're looking at doing that probably sometime this winter. Uh, so stay tuned on that. And last but not least, feel free to check out our website. We have, uh, we're still changing around. We've got a store up now and some other modifications, but we're, we're just trying to get feedback at this point. We're trying to get as much feedback as we can to make this better for you. So if you have any suggestions, send it to feedback at uncharted.net. And of course, any suggestions for future episodes or what have you, by all means, send them along. And again, thank you, Cody, for coming on to the show, and we uh, definitely want to stay in touch. Rock on, Joe. Thanks again. All right. Well, that's all we have time for this evening, so I wanted to once again thank everybody for listening to the Uncharted podcast, the podcast that will help you remove those barriers for exploring the Uncharted. We'll see you next time. Yahoo!